Well, hey, Forefront, it is so good to be with you this morning. Welcome. If you guys are joining us online, thanks for joining us. My name's Drew, and we're so glad to have you with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, let's grab those and let's open up to the book of Acts, and we'll be in Acts chapter 4 for most of our time this morning. If you were with us last week, we started a new series called Bold, and we started off by talking about what it looks like to live with a bold faith. And today we're going to talk about how we continue in this bold lifestyle by talking about what may be the most important factor in living a bold life, but it also might be the most difficult, the most hard to do. And what we're going to talk about today is how we can live with bold prayers. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. The Bible talks about that prayer is that way that we connect with God. It's the way that we talk with God. But as in any form of connection, you have to stay connected if there's going to be power in what you do. Everybody, just real quick for a a little exercise, everybody grab your phone. If you have your phone in your pocket, if you have a smartphone, let's grab that. If you have a flip phone, grab that too. Still appreciate a good flip phone. Okay, you've got your phone. What can you do on this phone? Just think about all the things you can do on your phone. I can connect with somebody on the other side of the world. I can send a message to somebody that I I haven't talked to in a long time. I uh, I can get email on my phone. I can check the chief score on my phone. I can do a lot of things on my phone. But what happens if my phone runs out of battery? What good is it then? What what is my phone once it's out of battery? Just a paperweight, right? Our phones need to stay connected to power. We can do and accomplish so many things on these little smartphones in our pockets, but if they're not connected to power and they don't stay charged, they're useless. Let me ask you guys, how many of you charge your phone every day? Hand in the air, you charge your phone every day. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you guys are frustrated every day, aren't you? You guys are just stressed, trying to find your power bank. How many of you right now have a power bank or an extra charger or an extra battery in your purse, or your wallet, or your bag. A couple of you, some of you right now have your phone plugged into that charger while it's hanging on your hip because you want to stay connected to power. Think of your life like this. Your life needs to stay connected to power. And how do we stay connected to the power source in our life? It's through prayer. A.B. Simpson says this about prayer. He says that prayer is the link that connects us to God. The Bible talks about prayer as something that's powerful, something that helps us work through our difficult situations in life. It's where we get our insight from. It's the way that we, again, stay connected and talk with God. Prayer gives us the words to say in a difficult moment. Prayer gives us the strength to stand firm in a difficult situation. But if we're not staying connected in prayer, then we're going to find that we are going to struggle with being bold because boldness is where boldness comes from our prayers. Let me ask you a question, a little survey here in the room. If you were going to ask, say, your friend or your spouse or the person sitting next to you in the, row ne- in the row next to you, how bold you are on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you say? How bold are you in your faith? What, what would you circle? Where, where would you put down? Look, look to your spouse and say, how bold am I? What would your number be? See, some of you in this room, I'd say you guys are pretty bold. You guys might be an 8 or a 9, Right? People know you and they know that you follow Jesus. They know that about your faith. And you may not even have to open your mouth, but they know that by your presence. They can tell that you are bold. You're like going to Buffalo Wild Wings and ordering the mango habanero. You're bold and you're spicy, right? You just need a little bit of water to cool that down. You're so bold. See, others of us, we're not so bold. 
Some of us here, we might be a two or a three or a one when it comes to our boldness because really we, we just aren't very bold. And you might have at work sit next to somebody in the same cubicle for two or three years and they still don't know you go to church. And they still don't know that you're a Christian and, and you, you lack boldness and, and maybe you're more like ketchup, right? Ketchup's just a little safe, right? It's safe on everything. It's good, but it's safe. See, where we stand with our boldness, some of us are, are, are people that are bold. Other of, others of us, a lot of us, are people who want to become more bold, especially when it comes to our faith. But have you ever considered that maybe the reason that we lack boldness is because we lack bold prayers? You know, the Bible talks a lot about boldness. And God is calling us as his people to follow him. And part of following him is being bold because following Jesus was never meant to be safe. And so when we talk about prayer, we talk about boldness. We have to wonder, are our prayers just too safe? Now, moment of honesty here. I think this church should be a place we can be honest with each other. I often pray pretty safe prayers. And I wonder if you do too. I often pray pretty safe prayers. I don't even think about it, but my prayers are typically pretty safe and they involve me. You know, you pray, God, please bless this meal. This delicious plate of beef nachos. Please bless this meal. Please make this nutritional for my body and help me be able to have enough energy to go throughout my day as I eat seven servings of cheese and sour cream, right? Or God, I, I watched too much off of The Office last night. I got up a little too late and I'm running late to work. God, please part the road with green lights the whole way to work, right? Or God, I've got a date tomorrow night. Please help this pimple go away. This has got to go. Or I got a presentation in the morning. Please be a good hair day. I don't have to worry about that one anymore. Or God, I've got a really important day tomorrow. Please help my PowerPoint presentation actually work this time. Are these, is there anything wrong with those prayers? No. That's good. That's fine prayers. But they're pretty safe. And I guess the question is, if that is the limit of our prayers, if our prayers stop at being safe, then are we missing out on something that God is calling us into? And are we missing out on the boldness that God says is ours in the way that we can live our life? Because I wonder, when we pray safe prayers and, and God looks down on us and God hears our prayers, does God think, you guys are missing out? I wonder, when I pray a safe prayer, does God look down at me and go, really, that's what you're asking for? I feel like I could do so much. But that's all you're asking for? See, there's so much to our, our prayer life. It's through our prayer life that we connect with God. It's through our prayer life that God can give us the power to fight the day. C.S. Lewis in, the book, in his book, Mere Christianity, says this about prayer. He says that prayer is fundamentally a warfare activity. When you think of praying, do you think of that? That prayer is actually a weapon? Prayer is a way that you go to war with the, the, the battle around you, the challenges in your life? Sin and temptation and brokenness and messiness and everything in the middle and in between. Prayer is so much more. And so when all we do is pray safe prayers and all we do is pray little prayers and all my prayers are just about me, I am missing something that God has called me to live out, the power that God calls me to live boldly. And so as we spend a few minutes talking about prayer, here's what I believe God wants us to see. God wants us to pray bold prayers because God uses bold prayers to do big things. And this is what we see in Acts chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, let's grab those and flip to the book of Acts. 
Acts chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 4, we see this really interesting exchange between Peter and John and the Sanhedrin, the religious elite in Israel at the time. Let me back up just a little bit and, and add a little color for you. Peter and John are at the temple, and they've been arrested. Now, this is the same Peter that ran, denied Jesus and ran away. It's the same Peter that chickened out. It's the same Peter who boldly stood up on Pentecost and preached a message that saved 3,000 people. And so here's Peter and John, and they are in chapter 3. They are walking up to the temple because they're going to go teach about Jesus, and they meet this man who has been lame since birth. He's never walked. And, and the man is calling out Peter, uh, Peter, to, to Peter and John to, to give him some money. And Peter and John say, actually, I don't, have any, I don't have any money to give you, but you know what I have? The power of Jesus. And so they, right there on the spot, they healed this man. And, and all of a sudden, this man leapt, it says. Acts chapter 3 says this man leaps. And he starts to walk around, and people notice it. They've seen this guy sitting at this gate every day his entire, you know, for, for years. He's been lame his entire life. Now he's walking, and he's praising God. And so the, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, hear of this, and they're like, what is going on? Who is this guy? And so they bring him in, and they keep hearing him praise Jesus. And so they grab Peter and John, and they arrest him. And, and they arrest Peter and John, and they, they bring them in, and they ask Peter and John, they say, what, by what power are you doing these things? And they said, by the power of Jesus, the man that you killed, he is alive. And it made him really mad. And so they, they bring him in and they sit him in front of the Sanhedrin. And I want you to see something. Look with me. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Notice what is happening. Peter and John are standing in front of the, the council of all of these religious leaders. And they are talking about Jesus and, and proclaiming that Jesus is alive and he rose from the grave. And he's the one that healed this man who you see with your own eyes is walking. And notice what verse 13 says. It says this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized they had been with Jesus. They were astonished at their boldness. What's really funny is if you love the Greek, uh, that word for common, it's actually the Greek word idiotes. So the Greek word idiotes can mean common. It can mean untrained, but it can also mean. So they're saying, look at the boldness of these idiots here praising Jesus and proclaiming Jesus' name in front of us. But they recognize that these people had, be, had been with Jesus. And so what they do in verse 18, notice, they, they charge them not to speak about Jesus again. And they're like, how can we not? We literally saw Jesus rise from the grave. We literally spent time with Jesus after, after he went to the cross. He is alive and we're not going to stop talking about it. And so then they threatened them in verse 21. And when they had further threatened them, they let him go, finding no way to punish them because the people for all were praising for what, praising God for what had Happen. So the religious leaders say, hey, Peter, John, stop talking about Jesus or otherwise we're going to hurt you. This is not going to be good. You don't want this, but you guys get to leave. So they leave. They go back to, to their friends. They go back to the other disciples and, and they, they go in and they tell them all what happened. And the Bible tells us that they pray. Now, what do you think they prayed? If you could guess, what did Peter and James or Peter and John pray in that moment? You think they prayed for safety? Did they pray, God, please give us green lights all the way to Antioch so we can get out of here because these guys are coming for us? No, they didn't. They prayed a bold prayer. Notice exactly what they prayed. Acts 4, verse 29 through 31. Here's what they said. 
And so they pray this amazing prayer, and at the very end they say this, And now, Lord, look upon their threats, and grant to your servants, to us, to continue to speak your words with all what? Boldness. With all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And notice this, verse 31. And when they had prayed for boldness, when they had prayed for boldness, the place where they were gathering together was shaken. Imagine, though, they're praying, they say amen, the whole place shakes, just, just rumbles, just shakes. And they continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Notice that bold prayer. Peter and John's bold prayer wasn't God keep me safe, wasn't God help me to not get hurt, God make my life easy. Their prayer was, no, God make me bold. Give me the boldness because I'm standing in the face of opposition and trouble and, and anxiety and threats. But what I want to be more than anything else is boldness, is bold. God, give me the unshakable, unshakable, unshakable conviction to follow you no matter what the cost is. And then the house shakes. And the Holy Spirit right there is with them. And they spoke boldly. Let me ask you a question. What do you think would happen in your life if you started to pray that prayer? Like, if you added to your normal list of prayers, God, make me bold. God, give me the boldness to stand in the face of unshakable, with unshakable conviction to the opposition that's before me. What would that look like in your life? How would that change your life? What would happen if you set an alarm on your phone that reminded you every day to pray, God, make me bold? How would that change your life? See, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul prayed that prayer. And we see the Apostle Paul in prison near the end of his life writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says this. In chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with what? Boldness. The mysteries of the gospel. See, Paul prayed for, for boldness, and God used Paul's prayer for boldness for Paul to change the world. And God wants to use our prayers to do the same for us. But to do so, we have to learn to pray boldly. So this morning, I just want to spend a few minutes looking at what it looks like to pray boldly. What are those characteristics and attributes that we can include in our prayers so we can begin to pray bold prayers and to see how God moves through those bold prayers. So we're going to see three aspects of bold prayers. And the first one is this, that bold prayers care about what's on God's heart. That if you want to know, is my prayer bold? You have to ask the question, is my prayer based on what is on God's heart? Am I praying about something that's important to God? I don't know about you, but if you, if you, if you, if you went around and, and wrote down every prayer you prayed last week and you categorized those prayers, what category would they fall in? Would those prayers be categorized as something that's close to your heart? Or would those prayers be categorized as something that is close to God's? Now, let me be clear. God cares about your prayers. You know, the Bible tells us, Jesus says that, that God knows the number of heads on your hair, hairs on your head, that God cares about the sparrows and the lilies in the field, that God cares about every single thing about your life. Nothing is too small for God. God cares about what's on your heart. But do you also care about what is on God's heart? Do you also pray about what is on his? See, I, I know in my life it's, it's really easy for me just to pray really Simple prayers about me. Simple prayers like, God, help me to finish the sermon. 
God, help me to get in shape. God, please keep my beard from turning gray. God, please give me the energy I need to, to wake up and deal with what I have today. You might pray, God, give me a better job. God, help me to, to meet my quota so I can get a good bonus. God, help me to find cheap tickets to the Need to Breathe concert. Without a miracle, it doesn't happen. I'm just going to tell you, they don't exist. What are our prayers about? Are our prayers about what's on my heart or about what's on God's heart? Because if I don't pray about what's on God's heart, then... Am I missing what God has for me in my own life? See, God doesn't want us to just pray bold prayers about the things we want. God wants to use bold prayers about the things that God wants so he can change your life and the lives of the people around you. And God actually wants to use your bold prayers to do some big things. One of my favorite prayers in the Bible comes from Nehemiah chapter 1. If you're familiar with uh, the book of Nehemiah, feel free to turn there. Otherwise, you can look it up later. But Nehemiah was an Old Testament, uh, an Old Testament character that lived during the time of exile. And, and just a little history to bring us up to speed on this. If you're not familiar with kind of the Old Testament uh, chronological events, the, the kingdom split in two, and the northern kingdom was exiled to via Assyria in the eighth century. In the sixth century, King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon came into Judah and and conquered the the city of Jerusalem and took an exile back a huge percentage of the Jews to Babylon. And so uh, there is, uh, th this is where we catch up in Jeremiah 29, where Jeremiah writes to uh, the, the Jews and says, hey, don't worry, God has a plan for you. God has a plan in a, for your future, not for, to do you harm, but to do you good. It's just going to come in about 70 years. Fast forward into that 70-year period, we find Nehemiah. Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon had been defeated by the Persians. Cyrus the Great had then um, given the kingship over to Artaxerxes after he died. And now we find Nehemiah writing um, this incredible letter in the Old Testament. And here's what we see. We see Nehemiah has been elevated. He's a Jew who was born in captivity, living, in the, living as an advisor to the king, as the, as the king's cupbearer. Now, if you know what a cupbearer is, the cupbearer's job wasn't just to make sure that the wine was tasty. The cupbearer was to make sure that the wine was also not poisoned. Pretty bold job. It takes a pretty bold guy to be the cupbearer for the king. But here's what's interesting about cupbearers. Although you were an advisor to the king, you didn't have an audience with the king. You couldn't just speak to the king. You could have spoke when you're spoken to. And so we find Nehemiah, the cupbearer to the king, has one of his brothers come and tell him, Hey, Nehemiah, I just went back to Jerusalem and I found something really, really bad that the walls of Jerusalem have been knocked down, that the gates have been destroyed, and the city's on fire. And Nehemiah chapter 1, go back and read it later, tells us that he just falls down and weeps. His heart is burdened because his home has been destroyed. But Nehemiah decided that his action wasn't going to just be stressed or fearful, but he was going to go to God in prayer. Notice his prayer. Look with me, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11. This is Nehemiah's prayer. He's fasting, and he goes to the Lord in prayer. He says this, O oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. Did you hear Nehemiah's prayer? Nehemiah's prayer was, O oh God, give me an audience with the king. Give me an audience with the one 
that I know that can change this situation. Nehemiah's prayer wasn't just, it would have been fine if Nehemiah's prayer was, God, fix what's going on in Jerusalem. God, raise somebody up in Jerusalem to go fix the walls and rebuild the gates. But that wasn't his prayer. His prayer was, God, give me an audience with the king so that I can go be that person. See, Nehemiah's prayer was bold because he was trying to get an audience with somebody he shouldn't have an audience with. And Nehemiah's prayer, he, he, he was confident in his prayer because it wasn't about him. He was broken by what was going on, and he prayed for something that he knew would be near and on God's heart. What, what are you praying about? Pastor Jared Ming, he's a pastor in California, he says this. He says, what you pray about, what you pray for, reflects what you believe about God. See, Nehemiah believed in a good God that loved his people, that cared about Jerusalem, who cared about whereas people would one day go home to. And he knew that was on God's heart. So that was his prayer. Give me an audience with the king. And notice what happens. Nehemiah chapter two, scholars think this is about four months between his first prayer and this moment he has with the king. Notice this, Nehemiah chapter two, uh, verse two, he says this. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, Nehemiah says. The king looked at him like, Nehemiah, why are you so sad? And and, and he knew this was his moment. This was in the moment. Notice, he says, but I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Then the king asked, well, how can I help you? Notice this is what he prayed for, right? He prayed for an audience for the king. The king notices, how can I help you, he says, and with a prayer to the God in heaven. Notice, Nehemiah prays right in that moment. God, give me the words to say. God, tell me what I need to do. Notice what he says. He says, with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you're pleased with me, your servant, after all that wine I drank for you, after all those grapes I tasted, that you are still healthy in here, if it pleases you, Send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? Hold on. You're telling me that the guy that keeps me from dying every day is going to leave? How long are you going to be gone for? How long are you going to, until you get back? And he told him it's going to be a long time. And he said this, the king agreed to his request. God used a bold prayer to do a big thing. But God used a bold prayer that was on, that was something that was based on God's heart. Nehemiah's bold prayer, the king would listen, the king answered him, and the king sent him. And if you go on to read the rest of the story, the king sent Nehemiah with, with money and lumber and people and guards so that Nehemiah and his crew could rebuild the wall with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, but so they could rebuild the wall. There's something that the, Bible, that the Bible teaches us that we see in this story here is that when you pray for something beyond yourself, God will use your bold prayers to do big things. So here's the question I want to ask you. And when you think about your prayers and what you're praying for, what do you need to add to your list? What is something that God has on his heart that you need to add to your list? Because God loves for us to talk with him and communicate with him in prayer. And as we do, we're talking about those things that are near and dear to us. What is near and dear to God? In your seat, when you sat down, you should have found a card. It's a white card. There should be a pen in the seat back in in front of you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab that pen, and I want you to grab that card. And as we spend time this morning, I want you to ask that question. God, what do you want me to add to my list? See, somebody, God may be putting somebody's name on your heart. 
He might be putting your sister or your brother or that cousin or that neighbor on your heart. God might be putting that, that, that coworker who's going through a hard time in their marriage or the neighbor who's lost their job on your heart. Write their name down. Who do you need to add to your list? What do you need to add to your list that is near and on God's heart? Because bold care, prayers care about what God cares about. This is what we see in Nehemiah. And this is what we see from Peter and John in Acts chapter 4. So bold prayers care about what God prays about. What's God putting on your heart right now? But also, I want you to see that bold prayers aren't just a single act. It's not a one-time thing. Number two, bold prayers are persistent. That God wants our prayers to be persistent, not just a one-time thing. And I don't know about you and your life, but I too often can look back at my life and see that my prayers were a one-time shot. That too often, I might have prayed a bold prayer, but that bold prayer went out once or twice but I wasn't persistent. So I think sometimes we need to be reminded that praying bold prayers need to be, those bold prayers need to be persistent. They need to be consistent. They need to keep going up because so often when we pray and nothing happens, we walk away and God walks, God's gotta be looking at us going, really, you're gonna give up that easy? I put that burden on your heart, but you're gonna walk away that fast? I don't know if any of your kids are like mine, but I have a persistent child. Hallie, my eight-year-old, is very, she's the sweetest thing, but she is very persistent. If you say you're going to do something or you're going to take her somewhere, she is going to wear you slick until you do. She's going to remind you before you go to bed, hey, Dad, don't forget, you told me you are taking me to Target. She's going to wake me up in the morning, hey, Dad, is it time to go to Target yet? She's going to come home from school, and the minute she jumps in the truck, Dad, are we going to Target? Just over and over to the point where you're finally like, yes, let's go. Here's $100. Do whatever you need to do. Seriously, I just need to take a nap. What if our prayers are like that? What if when we prayed to God, it was in the morning, God, I know this is important to you. You know this is important to me. Here's my bold prayer. And then during the day, hey, God, just checking in, just making sure you heard my bold prayer from earlier. And then when you go to bed, God, one more time today. Here's my prayer. This is what is on my heart. Right before Paul prays for boldness in Ephesians 6, 19, notice what he says. He says this. He says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. That word all in the Greek, it means all, all times, every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, if you guys are trying to find a good memory verse, let me give one to you. It's 1 Thessalonians 5 or 17. Here's what it says. Never stop praying. I feel like you guys can get that one. Just remember that one. Never stop praying. So I think God wants our prayers to be like a text chain. How many of you guys on your phone have a text chain that just continues? Anybody have a text chain, maybe a friend, a group of friends? Nobody? Just me? A couple of you? That text, I got one with my dad. It just seems like that conversation's always going, right? Or you got a group of buddies and you're always just sending messages, texts, memes, funny things, right? And sometimes you want to throw your phone at the wall because you're sick of it buzzing and beeping. But it's something really cool about being connected because you have this continual text chain going on. I read this week, you guys, you guys ready for this? I read this week that more, there's more than 18.7 billion texts sent worldwide each day. It's a lot of texts, 18.7 billion. I don't know how many you send, but I don't, you know, 
I, I know a few people that send a good portion of that. That's a lot of text. 18.7 billion. But what if our text, what if our prayers were like text to God? I mean, you can text at work. You can text in the car, voice to text, right? Voice to text only. You can text while you're at the gym. What if our prayers were in the car at the gym? Prayers at work, persistently praying to God. God does big things through bold prayers, and God wants our prayers to be persistent. There's a really amazing story in 1 Kings uh, about uh, the prophet Elijah. And if you know much about Elijah's life, you know Elijah's life was never easy. Elijah was always going through crazy situations. So God calls Elijah and tells Elijah to go talk to the king. And he goes and he actually talks to uh, King Ahab. And he tells Ahab that because Ahab and the people in Israel have turned their eyes away from God and they have begun worshiping fake gods and false idols, that God is going to send a drought for three years. Ahab doesn't like what Elijah has to say. Elijah runs. Ahab chases after him. And for three years, Elijah hides. And for three years, Elijah is praying, God, protect me from King Ahab. So there's no rain for three years. There's this drought for three years. And one day, Ahab and Elijah and Ahab meet on the road. And, Ahab, and Elijah says to Ahab, hey, Ahab, let's see whose God really is the true God. Let's have, let's have a test. And so they go up on Mount Carmel, Carmel and Caramel? Carmel. They go up on Mount Carmel and they have, uh, they, they build an altar. And this is amazing. There's 950 fake prophets, right? Prophets of Baal and some of these other false gods. And then there's Elijah. So it's like one verse 950, not good odds. So Elijah grabs 12 stones. He builds these stones and he puts some wood in the middle. And he says, let's, let's see who's God's going to move first. Remember, it's been a drought for three years. Let's see who's God's going to do something first. And so these guys are praying. These 950 priests are like, this, this is crazy, by the way. If there's any kids in the room, you might want to plug your ears. These guys are shouting and screaming, like stabbing each other with knives and swords. It's the weirdest thing ever. And Elijah's just sitting there like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so Elijah prays to God, and God sends down fire, and that altar just goes. <laughs> and immediately, um, the, the, everybody who's watching falls down on their knees, and like, God of heaven, you are the one true God, our bad. We're so sorry for following these false gods. They actually take those 950 guys out and do some really bad things to them. And Ahab is just kind of there shaken. And then before it's all said and done, Elijah looks at Ahab and goes, hey, hey, don't go home yet. Don't go home yet. Because it's going to rain. No, it's been three years, but it's going to rain. And so Ahab goes back up, or Elijah goes back up, and he's got his, his servant with him. And he says this. Notice in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18, verse 4, he goes up and he prays seven times. Elijah prays seven times. There's something about the number seven in the book of Bible brings completion. He prays seven times, and it says this. Finally, on the seventh time, his servant says, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot, go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And then in verse 45, and then the, soon the sky was black with clouds and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. Elijah persisted in prayer. Elijah continually prayed for God to move, for God to do something, for God to come through. He prayed for God to show his power, to show everybody that God is the one true God. He prayed for rain seven times and God delivered. And can you believe it? God wants to do the same for you. God wants for your prayers to be persistent so he can use your persistent prayer to do big things. See, Martin, prayer talk, Martin Luther talking about prayer says this. He says, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, 
but laying hold of his willingness. So a lot of times we, we pray to God and we say, God, you haven't answered my prayer yet. You must be reluctant. There must be something you don't want to do there, God. But I think God is wanting us just to come to him. He wants us to, to continually pursue him and, and to make my focus him. We always say, well, I like to say around here that, that God is really early, but he's never late. God knows the right time for everything. But God wants our prayers to be persistent. So here, here's a question I want to ask you guys is what do you need to keep praying? What was maybe a bold prayer that you pray that you stop praying, that you need to restart? Maybe your prayer was, God, give me the words to share my faith with my coworker. Or God, give me the words to share my faith with my neighbor. And you prayed it for a couple times, and then you realized that maybe you didn't have the chance to talk to him, and all of a sudden you stopped praying that. You forgot about it. Maybe it's time to start praying that again. What is a bold prayer that you need to keep praying? Maybe your prayer was, God, give me the boldness to stand up when my friends start talking down about Jesus. Give me the boldness to stand up and stand up for Jesus. And you prayed that, and then it slipped your mind. And you need to start praying that again. What prayer do you need to continue to pray? Because praying is like going to the gym. Nobody likes to go to the gym when they haven't been to the gym in a long time. Some of us, we haven't been to the gym in a while. And it's going to take some work to get in. But you know what happens when you get in the gym? And after a few days and a couple of weeks, you can't wait to go back. And it comes the same with prayer. A discipline becomes a delight, but it starts as a discipline. That's prayer. Sometimes prayer hurts, sometimes prayer hard, sometimes prayer is boring. Prayer needs to be something that we work at and we grow with and become persistent because we know that God loves to move through the prayers of his people. But there's a third thing I want us to see today about prayer and about bold prayer, and that's this. That bold prayers believe in what God is going to do. Bold prayers don't just look back on what God did and thank him. Bold prayers also believe in what God is going to do. They believe faithfully that God is going to move, that God is going to answer our prayer, that God is the one that answers prayers. But bold prayers aren't just hopeful statements. See, sometimes I think our prayers are often hopeful statements, aren't they? Like, God... I just hope I can do this, do well on my test, or God, I just hope this deal goes through. Or, God, I just hope Patrick Mahomes throws for 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards and leads the Chiefs to a Super Bowl victory. I know you guys aren't praying that. That's not your prayer. That's my prayer. Just being vulnerable here, guys. Sometimes our prayers are too safe. Sometimes our prayers are too about, much about me. Sometimes our prayers are just hopeful statements. But one of the reasons our prayers are too safe sometimes is they lack commitment. Have you ever noticed that? Have you, have you ever had a situation come up in your life when you're like, God, please help me in this situation. If you deliver on this situation, I promise I'll do whatever you want. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? I think we should have everybody's hands in the air. We've all prayed that prayer. God, please fix this broken relationship. God, please keep that deal from falling apart. God, please help my car start because I'm stuck on the highway and I need to get home. And I'll do whatever you want, God. I will go to Botswana if you call me to. And then that mission trip for Botswana comes up, and you're like, eh, I can't make it. Sorry. Busy that week. We've all done it. And, and it's not that we didn't want God to deliver, and it's not that we didn't have the heart where we really wanted to make a commitment to God. It's just that maybe our commitments weren't as strong as, as they needed to be. I think we've all done that. Or, or sometimes, uh, um, you know, we... we get into the, this place where I think we're afraid of how God's going to answer our prayer. God, please help my sister come to faith, but just use somebody but me, right? 
God, please help me meet somebody new. Help me meet the one, just not somebody who's currently in my friend group, right? God, please, please, please give me a new boss. Just please don't let it be Karen. Just please don't let it be Karen. Like, I think a lot of times we're afraid of how what God, I love you if you're in the room and your name's Karen, by the way. You guys, I just love you. But God is always there listening to our prayers, and he's ready to answer our prayers. But too often we are afraid of how God's going to answer our prayers. But God wants us to see that bold prayers believe in what God is going to do so much that he even wants us to put our commitments behind our prayers. There's an amazing story of one of my favorite prayers in the Bible in the book of 1 Samuel. If you guys are familiar with the character Hannah, is this amazing story. We find Hannah, who, uh, her husband's name is Elkanah, and Elkanah had two wives, and Hannah, Elkanah's other wife, had kids. And every time they would get together and do things, Hannah's, Elkanah's other wife would, would taunt Hannah. Hey, you don't have any kids? Would make fun of Hannah. All these things and deeply burdened and troubled Hannah. And Hannah wanted nothing more than to have a child. And so Hannah, in this moment, is just realizing that she is going to pray a bold prayer. And so we read in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, notice this. Hannah goes to the tabernacle to pray to God a bold prayer. Notice what she prays. She says this, or verse 10 says this. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, and she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. She prayed a bold prayer. She believed in a big God. But notice, as part of her prayer, she made a commitment to God. That God, I'm, I'm going to trust that you're going to do this to the point where I'm going to put a commitment behind it. It was a bold prayer. Hannah's prayer was a, a bold prayer. And I think it shows us that what God wants for us, because following Jesus was never meant to be safe. That following Jesus is never meant to be easy, and bold prayers trust, trust in a big God and require a big commitment. So notice Hannah prays this bold prayer, pouring her heart out. If you go back and read the story, Eli, the priest, sees her. She's praying so hard and fervently, he thinks she's drunk. And they have this exchange where Eli sees her and says, I'm, I'm, I, I, pray your, your, I pray God answers your prayer. And so then we find this in verse chapter, or chapter 1, verse 19. Notice this. And we see that Hannah, um, the entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. There was a tabernacle. Then they returned home to Ramah, where Elkanah slept with Hannah. The Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, notice what God did. In due time, she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel. For she said, I asked the Lord for him. Verse 24, when the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle at Shiloh. And verse 28, now I give, now she's telling this to Eli, now I'm giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. Samuel, this son, not only did God answer her bold prayer and bold commitment with a beautiful son, but this son also became Samuel, the one who would be the priest that would lead the nation of Israel and would lead them to King David. God did amazing things through Samuel's life. And God used Hannah's bold prayer to bless Hannah and her family, but to also bless the nation, which ended up blessing the entire world. God wants to use bold prayers to do big things. A.W. Tozer says this about prayer. He says that an invitation to prayer is therefore an invitation to omnipotence. For prayer 
engages the omnipotent God and brings him into our human affairs. Nothing is, is impossible to the man who prays in faith, just as nothing is impossible with God. Hannah prayed a bold prayer, maybe something that she even thought was impossible, and God delivered on the impossible. What can God do through your bold prayers too? How does God want to do the impossible or the unthinkable through the bold prayers that you pray? Because we believe in a God who does the impossible. We believe in a God who does the unthinkable because we believe in a God who sent his son down here to this earth for us to do the unthinkable and to trade places with us. While we were messy and while we were broken and while we were unlovely and unlovable and unwantable, God sent Jesus here for me and for you. And Jesus went to the cross and traded places with us. He took our sin and our mess and our brokenness and he gave us life. Now he says, go and live that life, but live it boldly and live it for me. Forefront, the truth is that this death-defeating king of heaven came down here for us and that you and I can boldly put our hope and our trust and our prayers in his hands and know that he's going to do big things through our bold prayers. God used the bold prayers of Nehemiah to to change the nation, to prepare the city for when the king would send the remnant back to, Ju- to Jerusalem. God used the bold prayers of Elijah to turn the hearts of a nation back to him. God used the bold prayers of Hannah to bless a family and to bless a nation. God used the bold prayers of Peter and John to start a firestorm for the gospel all throughout the known world. And God wants to use your bold prayers to change somebody's life and to even change yours. So when you sat down, you each got that card. Grab that card again and grab your pen. Because here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down a bold prayer. We're going to create a moment here for you to write down a bold prayer. And here's what I want you to ask. God, what are you asking me to do? What bold prayer is God putting on your heart? Maybe your bold prayer is to give you the strength to stand up at work, to stand up for someone who's being marginalized, to give an encouraging word to someone who's walking through a really hard season. Maybe God's calling you to to be bold and stand up and to share your faith with that family member that's been on your heart for a long time, to pick up and call that friend in Texas and talk to them about Jesus and tell them that you love them and tell them that Jesus came and gave his life for them so that they can have life of their own. Maybe God's calling you to be bold so you can no longer be afraid or so you can follow him. So grab your pen. I want you to write down your bold prayer. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to put that in your pocket or tuck it away in your Bible, but don't lose it. And when you get home, I want you to put it on your fridge. I want you to take a picture with your phone and set it as your wallpaper or put it on your dashboard or on the, on the, next to the sink where you brush your teeth. And I want you to pray every day this week that bold prayer. And as you pray, say, God, make me bold. Give me the words to say and give me the strength to stand. And as you do, God will do something beautiful through your prayer. And you'll find the boldness that you need. When the Holy Spirit moves, boldness isn't a personality trait. Boldness is given to us by God. So what is on the other side of your bold prayer? Because we serve a big God who loves to do bold things through bold people.
So let's be bold for Jesus. Would you pray with me?